0: That's Barton Simmons. That's Danny Connell. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, We've got a big, big, fun football talk coming your way. We don't know how much longer we can. We had Big Ten win totals locked and loaded. Well, then the Big Ten decided to cancel. So... Very, very special Big 12 Win Totals episode. How many games are you gonna win this fall? That'll be coming up in just a little bit. Uh, first, we want to dive into a couple of the headlines of the day here on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, and it starts with a story developing out of Florida State where there was um, an allegation from a player regarding uh, the way that the Florida staff Florida State staff has been uh, treating these players potentially misleading them in terms of some of their their health results there has been some pushback on some of these allegations Mike Norvell addressed this uh, in a Zoom press conference earlier on Thursday the The ups and downs of this are interesting because it's obviously very touchy. If you are going to be in the ACC and if you are going to proceed when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to decide not to play football in the fall, then I think you better have your protocols tight. You better be able to say that we are following all the restrictions. uh, We are following all the rules to be able to keep our players healthy. Danny, Florida State, I'll let you get first crack at this. What's your sense of... Uh, before we get to the, the bigger picture, Mike Norvell stuff, what's your sense of the current situation and the uh, the pulse of what's going on in Tallahassee?
3: Right now, it's ugly. I mean, it doesn't feel great to see Florida State look dysfunctional. We already had the uh, the Marvin Wilson situation. It's been with- a rough
4: few years for you then, Danny. I-
3: <laughs> it's been a long time. there anything new, brother. Especially when I got spoiled for so long. You know, it's tough. But it has been rough. Like, it's been a rough go of it for Mike Norvell. I think, Barton, the last time we talked about it, all of us kind of agreed, but you brought it up, that it's harder on a new coach to build up trust. And I think a lot of this has to do with trust. And I think both of them also, Florida State needs to do a better job of making sure the players all know the forward-facing message. Because the other day you had Mike Norvell you had the athletic director, Coburn. You had the school president, John Thrasher, and you had the governor, uh, DeSantis, all at a press conference raving about how we need football, which I agree. I'd love to see that, but also raving about how well they've been handling things. And it's similar to what Marvin Wilson had a problem. Remember, Mike Norvell said, hey, we've done a great job. We've, we've talked to every player. And it, it was a miscommunication. It got lost in translation somewhere. Marvin Wilson said he lied. There's a lost in translation here because, yes, they might have done a great job, but maybe not every player feels that way. And clearly they haven't when a couple, a few come out and say, well, that, now nah, that's BS, man. I don't feel comfortable. But again, and I think this is the one saving grace that Mike Norvell has aside, Marvin Wilson is out there retweeting a number of players or saying, nope, our staff cares about us. They've been honest. They haven't asked us to hide anything. But it's like too little too late. It's still embarrassing that Florida State has had to deal with yet another issue that's cropped up this early. But I think a lot of it goes back to it's going to take time to build up the trust where if you have a forward-facing message, that is one thing. I think if you have a trust built over time, players might say, I understand what they're saying. Like, I, I get this game. I get what they're trying to do and understand that and hold their criticism down. But today's environment without that trust level, they're going to call you out on it. And Florida state across the board is learning that the hard way.
4: So do we feel that there's uh, um, legitimacy to the, I mean, to the claims it's, it's hard to know what to believe. I don't want to say hard to know what to believe, but we're getting mixed signals coming out of Tallahassee uh, because there have been some guys that are saying, we feel safe. We feel comfortable. Um, I guess that's to be expected that there's going to be, even if it's, even if the claims are true, I guess there's always going to be a few people that take the company line. Um, I think like for me, the biggest thing is like this Florida state. I got joked about with with Danny a minute ago, like Florida state has been so dysfunctional for so long. And the, the culture has been so disjointed and like these guys just like, I think that there's like the Marvin Wilson thing. He jumped on that so quick and I just think there's like a, I just think it's on rocky footing and like they, they, they don't, they don't have trust yet. And they, and this is just going to take, take some time to get leveled out, you know, but all that said, it, it, this is not a bad look. This is not, this is a, not necessarily just bad for Florida state. Like it's bad for the national college football landscape. If there's just a major program and there's, there's uncertainty and miscommunication about what's going on with the testing protocols. So one thing –
0: go ahead, Tom.
1: It's just – it's an even weirder situation with Florida State because, like, you know, you've said, Barton, with new coaches having more difficulty earning trust when they're first on in a situation like this, then you have to think about the last few years of Florida State in which they've gone from Jimbo Fisher and how that ended to Willie Taggart coming in and then trying to establish, you know, if you think of somebody like Marvin Wilson or any of the players, you know, juniors and seniors that have been there for three, four years – this is yet another new coach that they have to learn and build a relationship with. So it's like they've been going through this, this every, single every single year. year and, and then, you then toss, you toss on the coronavirus and all the stuff that they have, they to, have do, to do to and, and try so it's I it's a weird situation. At the same time it's kind of like a microcosm because even everybody on the same team that's dealing with this, some of the players feel like everything's fine. Others don't, and that's just kind of how everything's working in this in the world right now because of this.
0: So Florida State could be more transparent with their coronavirus testing and their reporting of coronavirus testing. They are choosing to be among many schools that are not releasing test Mm -hmm. numbers. They're not releasing number of positives. And, uh, that I, I don't think every, I don't, I don't know how I feel about whether schools should or not, but this would be a much easier conversation if, you know, Oklahoma, a, Uh, a team that we consider among the best in the country has been very transparent about their testing and their testing results. Uh, Michigan has come out with a lot of information about theirs. Clemson has come out with a lot of information about the number of tests that they're conducting and the number of positives. So, there's not a competitive advantage necessarily to not releasing the number of tests and the number of positives. And so this is a, another hurdle that all coaches and all programs have to go through where if there was a, an allegation, similar, a, a similar allegation, um, but they had all the numbers to be able to back this up. I, th- I think that we would feel a little bit better when Mike Norvell and when the Florida state football program are stepping off and they're saying, well, Hey, you know, we're, we're keeping all this internal. We're not going to report any positives. And many, many football programs are. I don't think that Florida State is alone or nefarious in their decision not to report the details of their testing procedures. That would make this seem uh, a little bit less concerning. But at the same time, to answer your question, Barton, I am going to need to hear uh, more, and I'm going to need to hear more specifics than what was posted in that letter you know screenshot letter to twitter before i'm going to be ready to start uh before i'm going to be ready to start really questioning whether mike norvell is in any kind of trouble or whether the florida state football program is in any kind of uh total array or dysfunction i think that right now the where i'm landing is probably a little bit closer to something that everyone's bringing up here is that it's the uh, the trust
3: issue without question
1: all right Trust, baby. You know, you got to trust the process. And they're still <laughs> trying to learn the process in Tallahassee right now.
0: So the yep. Mike Norvell is uh, in what kind of shape? Like when you're, if, if we do an ACC win totals podcast, are you taking Mike Norvell's locker room team trust into consideration when determining toss-up games?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I yes. think it's, uh, it's absolutely a consideration. I mean, you want buy-in you want players that are willing that want to go to battle for you you know whatever cliche term you want to use you want players that believe in you as the leader of the program and if there is a divided locker room which clearly there is I think the only question is just how divided is it and I really think it also bleeds into you know Marvin Wilson has become the leader of that team but on the offensive side of the ball, where's the leader? Like, there's no quarterback. And James Blackman probably is the emotional leader of that team. But his playing status is, you know, he's in a, he's fighting for his job. So how, you know, he, he's, he's splitting time. Like, it's just there's a void in leadership. And that's why, thank goodness that Marvin Wilson is there. Because if he wasn't did, taken up for Norvell and he wasn't out there positively, and other players too, I just, I, it could be a problem. So I think it will impact. I think it's going to be a slow grinding turnaround process, not a rocket ship. Here we go. Florida state's back. You know, and I hope we don't get into that conversation because I can't stand that with Miami and Texas, and any other school, like <laughs> let's just see how things go. I would not predict a quick back on the scene for Florida state.
1: I'm, soon. I'm suggesting a weekly segment during the season with, with Danny. It's is Florida state back with Danny Cannell. <laughs>
0: there you go. We'll get a sounder for it and everything. Um, you know, it, great conclusion to a misguided narrative and storyline coming out of Tuesday. Is Nebraska going to rejoin the big 12? Does the big 10 hate football? Is Nebraska going to join the sec? Does the big 10 even care about football anymore? No, Nebraska made a a statement from the university president and the athletic director on Thursday morning. Uh, It will be remaining a member of the big 10 conference. Uh, the, Athletic director Kevin Warren came out with a very strong statement uh, saying that if Nebraska played any football in the fall of 2020, it would not be a member of the Big Ten Conference. Tom, Tom is right. Well done. We'll create a Thomas Thomas Wright sounder as well.
1: Yeah, there really needs to be a Thomas Wright drop because it'll save us so much time.
4: We We might need multiple.
3: This This is so we don't get tired
1: uh, of them.
4: The first lock fight win of the year, <laughs> Tom had Kevin Warren in the Big Ten plus or minus 27 and a half. Danny and I took the points. Yep. We didn't we weren't picking the you know, we weren't taking the money line. We were picking an outright win, but uh, it wasn't even close. Kevin Warren shut fight. that thing down. Fight. Fight. <laughs> fight. Tom. It
1: turns out there's a huge difference between 50 million a year in the Big Ten and then roughly 33 million a year in the big 12. Cause we got to think like the big 12 gets 37 million a year f- currently from their TV deals and revenue. But if you add Nebraska, now you've got to split that 11 ways instead of 10. So it gets down to 33. So that, that was a $17 million decision that Nebraska had to make right there. And I don't think it was that hard once the, uh, the emotions wore away.
0: Yeah. And there was another uh, interesting suggestion actually uh, on uh, your mistress pod, Barton, uh, Barton and Bud. Bud Elliott suggested he was like, I wonder if this decision was final on Sunday. And it almost gave everybody a couple of days to him and haw and kick and scream and and really fight just to let their donors know, which big importance, let their fans know, we love football. Like almost as if it was a couple days of damage control just to really – Fix the optics and the messaging just to let everybody know that you still care about football for fear of what the blowback might be when the announcement went final on Tuesday.
4: Yeah, it felt it felt yeah. I mean Scott Frost got to get up there in his press conference and We'll play anybody. Yeah. Put on his tough guy hat and hey, look, even Ryan Day in Ohio State were like talking about, you know, looking for non conference games. Hey, we're allowed to play four non conference games a year. Why, you know, what's the difference now? We're gonna see what the season polls for us and whatever. But Nah, end of the day, uh, there was there were no legs to that. Hush money. I,
3: I think, too, though, Chip, I think you left out two groups of people because I do donors, fans. I think current players, you want to look like you're fighting for your players and recruits. recruits. Like I think a lot of this is about optics. I'm fighting for my guys. James Franklin's out there. I mean, I think it's a very real concern, and I think it should be. Uh, you know, you hear some feedback from parents that are upset that we're tweeting. I want my kid to play, you know, and they're upset. There are parents and recruits that are paying attention. And if it the optics out front are, well, we love football, but we don't love it that much, even though it might be at the risk of death. Like this is the worst case scenario. Some parents are like, well, we'd rather go where they're willing to risk death to go play. Like that's, that's just the bottom line reality of the situation. And I think a lot of that is why they were out there pounding the table. Because I think, like you said, Chip, the decision was probably made su- Sunday. It was final. There was maybe a couple calls that were made, but ultimately, it was a lot of, for, it was a lot of sh- grandstanding for show. Uh, yes, political posturing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, has everybody gotten a chance to take a look at the proposal?
1: I haven't looked at it in detail, but I, I, I do know the finer rough points of it anyway.
0: Okay, so uh, real quickly, Jeff Brom and Purdue Football from the official uh, Purdue Football Twitter account have started circulating a very detailed proposal for how to pull off both a spring 2021 and a fall 2021 season. Uh, here, Roughly, here we go. Eight-game regular season from February 27th to April 17th. No bye weeks between games in this eight-game regular season, but then two weeks off before the postseason. Postseason is from May 1 to May 15, either with a six-team playoff uh, with the Power Five champions and a wild card, or uh, with the Big Ten championship followed by a Rose Bowl or a four-team playoff. Off-season 2021, you get three months off till the summer period begins July 19th. No mandatory workouts in that time. Then four-week training camp begins on September 4th with then a 10-game regular season starting October 2nd. So again, we're talking eight games in the spring followed by 10 games in the fall. And then in that 10 week regular season, which will start in October, just one by week per team. The next postseason begins January one followed by, because the, you know, again, our concern is what are we going to do with players bodies? How are they going to be able to do a spring and then a fall followed by no spring practice at all in 2022 and then when you go up into the following 2022 season, uh, one day a week in pads, almost NFL style, I guess at that point. So what's, uh, what are we thinking about? the? Oh no, the one day a week in pads is for the fall 2021. Excuse me, no 2022 spring practice. So what do we think about the Bromposal? Eight game spring, 10 game
4: fall. Nobody thinks it's going think- to happen. I think the silence from the group speaks volumes. (laughs) I think I'm indifferent about it. Yeah. Like it's okay. So we'll cut it down in the spring. We'll kick it back in the fall. You know, that might be a little bit shortened. Um, I think, I think a lot of it is going to depend on what happens. Like if, if let's just, let's say the SEC and the ACC get, get 10 games in, um, they're going to be like, man, you can like, have fun, do whatever y'all want to do. But like, we got, like we're going to spring practice. Yeah, we're starting. Yeah, yeah, we got 15 practices to deal with. We're starting August 29th. Uh, what like? So um, I don't know. I th- think uh, I, I, but look it, my my reaction was was less about the, the logistics of the plan and more about like, OK, Jeff Brown's been sitting in his office just <laughs> like smashing stuff. Like furious at this inaction, so he's just like, you know what? Forget this. Like y'all are gonna do it. Like here's my plan. Like here's my like here's my bullet points on my Microsoft Word, and like here's my, my you know like ha- have fun with this. But like I'm not gonna sit here and wait around for y'all to do anything anymore because you hadn't done jack.
3: I I like it from that standpoint. Like I I'm mixed on does it work. Uh, if I was I was thinking about if I'm a player. Like, do I really want to screw up multiple seasons now? But then at the same time, I'm like, man, I could have a spring off. Like, that could kind of be compelling if you're a younger player. But I'll say I, I am guilty of this, of complaining and not providing alternative solutions. So I give him credit for that. Like, I like that. I think it could be tweaked. I think you could look at some things. But I like the fact that he took some action that said, here's how we can do it instead of you can't do it. Because I And I am guilty of that. Well, you can't do this. You can't do this. Well, how can you? He provided an option, and I think it's worthy of discussion. I think it's and it, putting it out there puts himself out there. And hey, I think it's in this pandemic, you have to be willing to take on any and every opportunity that might be an option and look at it and not think it's crazy. I mean, you know, who would have said that the NBA would be played in a bubble right now? Who would have said that you know said that we would rearrange Major League Baseball divisions so they could wouldn't have to travel? All those things we never thought would have happened, and yet they're happening. So I I, kind of I, like, why not? Maybe it could work.
1: Tom, you're muted. Sorry. My bad. My, <laughs> my, my concerns, I, there, there's two main concerns here. My first one is the player safety angle in that what happens with the players having to play that many games? in a short amount of time because even if it is only eight games and then a short little playoff and then you take the time off and you go into the fall and you play more that's still a lot of games within a 12-month span but even if we take that aside if 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 you take that out and there's in a fantasy world where you don't have those worries my other concern is i understand that you don't want to give up a season and we've already if you're the big 10 you've already pushed your season to the spring at best is what you're hoping for But that even Brahms plan now impacts multiple seasons. And at some point you have to you have to decide, is it worth it to impact multiple seasons because of this to get like a half a season in 2020? Or do we just punt on 2020 and say, okay, 2021, we're going to get back to normal as soon as possible and we're not going to have an impact on the future. We're going to just try. We're going to have to, you know, eat our crap sandwich right now and just prepare for the next one instead of, you know maybe impacting 2021, 2022, because like Barton said earlier, if the SEC and the SEC play this fall and they get their season in, they're not going to be jumping on the Big Ten's bandwagon. So now we've got our conferences not only separated this year, but now the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and those guys are all going to be on separate kind of schedules and plans in the rest of the Power Five for the next three or four years, and that's just going to be a headache for everybody.
4: Yeah. Can you imagine? Let's think about it. So SEC says, hell no, we're not going to play. Uh, play ball with y'all. Y'all can do your spring season, but we just got done with our fall season. We're gonna do spring practice, and then so Big Ten opens their season like early October, late September, whatever it is, and SEC started their season, and you know, but and, and you basically have like two parallel seasons going on, mm-hmm. and and then you get this like jumbled resumes, and you know who knows that the play like the playoffs are probably don't even really align up and. Uh, you're going to end up with, like, back in back in the old days of no true national champion. In fact, it's going to be more, more debate and arguments than ever.
1: I love it. it it's just <laughs> it's, you're setting up long-term side effects that I don't think you're really considering just for the short-term gratification of having a season. Yeah. And I get the urge. I just don't know if it's the wise decision in the long term.
0: Mm. Coming up on the other side, while we still can, we're going to run it down with some big 12
2: win totals. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
5: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
0: All right. Uh, These numbers are available at the Edgewater Emporium (laughs) Sports (laughs) Complex. If you want to make a wager on these win totals, Venmo Tom, and he may or may not refund your money
1: i might take your action I yeah don't know. I don't, well, well let's uh play money only of course play
0: money yeah yeah, for entertainment purposes only we would never uh keep the juice on any of these and maybe also just keep the money <laughs> uh okay so the numbers that
4: were said set- by the way your your email is was so was, was worded so well that I actually looked up. I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Is, is this, are these real numbers? Is this an edgewater sports book? <laughs> <laughs> there is a William Hill sports book at the edgewater casino in Laughlin, Nevada, just so you know.
1: Oh, an edgewater in, in Nevada. What edge of the water are they on?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, uh- we, and so we will be picking against Tom's numbers, and they are for conference games only because not everybody in the conference is going to be utilizing the option to play a non-conference game. Baylor, for example, is just pass on that. They're going to wait for uh, the first Big 12 game. So uh, nine conference games per team, and the we have the number set by Tom. Are you guys ready to count them up?
1: Let's do it as
4: much as i think that's the the under Count is a safe up. play like i can't even Count, them up.
0: Count them up. how many games you're gonna win this fall
4: i can't fathom it wins how many games
3: you're gonna win this fall
4: I just can't i don't see it it's not it's not on there it's not, not the schedule i'm looking at unless there's another schedule somewhere <laughs>
0: Always love to the Louisville Cardinals. who were the subject <laughs> of uh, and I think that probably was a correct like that would have been Bobby Petrino's. Oh, yeah, yeah the year yeah. the team that quit on Bobby Petrino and was failing to cover the spread by 21 points per game. Something absurd like that by the end of the season. Uh, you called it correctly. Okay,
4: here in that jingle may have made me feel the best I felt in about six yes. months. Except for the oh, birth was- of my daughter. That is the best I've felt in six months.
1: <laughs> it, it was very soothing and comforting to hear that. Yes.
0: All right, The right. Uh, let's start. I will go off medical order here. The Baylor Bears uh, over under win total set at five and a half. Dave Aranda coming in. We know that he is going to uh, step in and be the the leader of the defense. Uh, Offensively, he's brought in Larry Fedora as an offensive coordinator. George Munoz, former uh, analyst from LSU. It's going to be the pass game coordinator, so it sounds like we're going spread. we got Charlie Brewer back at quarterback. A lot of turnover on the defensive side of the ball. Number set at five and a half. Uh, Tom, you want first crack at it?
1: Sure, I'm going under.
0: Hmm.
1: i just think that there's there's so many question marks going into the team this year and it's you're only playing con we're only using the conference games and you look at their schedule you know it's they get kansas and west virginia to start off which could be two wins but then they've got that five game stretch that starts with oklahoma state then they've got texas and then tcu with Ohio, iowa state right behind it and texas tech i just feel like the middle of the year It's going to get pretty complicated for them, and then they're going to finish after one of their buys with a rough, you know, rough two-game stretch of Kansas State and then Oklahoma to finish the regular season. So, I just look at this and I say, yeah, five and four, that seems within all realms of possibility. Six and three, not so much. Barton,
4: yeah, I, I, um, so like when I think about Baylor, I think about you know this team's probably more talented than everyone's giving them credit. Yes, they lost nine starters last year off last year's defense. Um, nine. It, it, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. But, you know, I, there, there's some good players. And, and and so, like, Kalen Barnes is back at cornerback, who's who was like a 10 300 meter guy in high school. Like, in, insane athlete. Um, Matt Jones is a redshirt freshman linebacker who's supposed to be a really good player. That's uh, a young player. Um, they got Dylan Doyle, the... Uh, the, the the son of the Iowa strength coach, Chris Doyle, who transferred out of Iowa and is, is at, at Baylor. Uh, William Bradley King is like their edge rusher that they got as a grad transfer from Arkansas State, who's a good player. Like I just think that there's there's really good players on this defense. I think they've got it, this a chance to be a really good defense. Dave Aranda, as we know, is a really good defensive coach. You look on the offensive side of the ball, like Charlie Brewer, legit. Taquan Thornton, legit. Uh, they've got some good players on offense or on the offensive line um I, you know you, there, there's a lot of reasons for optimism and then and so when you when you compare that with the season they had last year like played in the big 12 championship game big 12 runner-up um you think you're know, like you're tempted to be optimistic about it you're tempted to be bullish but i i lean more towards tom's side of this as well in the sense of Let's go back and examine that season. Examine like all the the close games they won, all the turnover luck they they got. Uh, You know now they're they're losing a lot of the continuity in the coaching staff. And Dave Aranda may be a stud, but this is still year one in a really really weird off season. I just don't know how like there's I don't know how you can intelligently pick the over here. Like it is it is like a leap of faith to Mm -hmm. pick the over. Just, just based on purely like the trends, you would be betting against um, with all the turnover and, and and you know some of those the nature of their season last year. So yes, I'm officially on. Under- yes.
0: So I've got the only win I'm willing to give Baylor is Kansas. The Losses, go in one and eight? no, 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 no. We, hey, I, I, I think that I've uh, I've, I've laid this out uh, specifically here on the cover three podcast before. I go wins, losses, toss ups, and so it, it doesn't become a strict mathematical operation, but you know, toss ups more or less 50 50. I think the Baylor's probably losing to Oklahoma State, Kansas at Iowa State, and Oklahoma. And then I'm willing to give Baylor toss-up status for at West Virginia, TCU at home, at Texas Tech, Kansas State at home. It just is, like, for Baylor, it stinks that West Virginia and Texas Tech, the schools out of those four that I would consider the more winnable games are both road games. And so when you're – even if I was to give uh, – You know, even if I was to give them, I guess even if I was to give them all four toss-ups, they'd be under the five and a half, but it just seems like Baylor's going to need all the breaks and the schedule just doesn't even set up for many breaks. So I am as well going to be going with the under five and a half.
4: My official Baylor uh, commerce record is four and five. That's my prediction. I I, I did the whole like pick every, not pick every game, but pick every record. So it makes sense. Same. And I landed at four and five for Baylor.
1: Yeah, I've got. I'm at. I got five and four, but I think four and five is much more realistic than six and three.
4: I think I was at five and four, and then I and then I switched it up. So I, I I'm right there on the cusp.
0: I was happy with my win loss toss up status because I ended up with five overs and five unders. So we've got
4: balance, baby. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Count them up. <out! laughs> All right, we go on to Iowa State. Uh, Matt Campbell hey you know this is something that we like something we're encouraged by Brock Purdy hey something that we like something we're encouraged by breecy Hall good running back who is good as a, a freshman but as we touched on in spring gleaning we've turning over a lot of the offensive line uh, defensively there also are some some question marks along the way but you know I think that uh, as I, I wrote on cbsports.com earlier this week if we're going to be moving forward in this wild uncertain time man it feels like just having a quarterback you can trust is going to be a way to figure out and solve a lot of problems out there uh so the over under set by the edgewater emporium sportsbook is at five and a half barton where are you going with the clones
4: last year was my 10 win iowa state pick wasn't it correct yeah yep um so the emotional response is to, to jump be, on the other side. Yeah, it would be get upset, <laughs> you know, allow, <laughs> allow myself to be guided by these emotions. But I'm, I'm trying to stay pragmatic. I'm trying to let Tom rub off on me here. And <laughs> I, I'm going to, like the you said it, Chip, so like their offensive line is a concern, right? Um, but I think in today's college football, I, I remember I talked to an offensive coordinator this offseason just in the, uh, over the course of conversation, you know, just sort of talking about what your team looked like. He was like, you know, I'm not really worried about our offensive line. Like offensive line doesn't really matter that much. And and it's just, you know, all the RPO stuff, all the different ways that you can uh, manipulate the defensive line without blocking them that well. I mean, Clemson hasn't had a, a, a top-tier offensive line in – really the entirety of their run like the, the their dominant run they've just been are you a mitch enough.
0: Hyatt truther somebody who believes that mitch hyatt's gotten too no, many accolades I, I from just being a starter was
4: good for four years and then all the draft picks told me i was wrong so <laughs> I, uh, I very much uh i was very much like the i, I was i had the wool pull over my eyes on that one um but that's a long way of saying it. i think that they like when you look at what they do have they have brock purdy they have Brees hall they have a couple of the best tight ends in the country. Oh, yeah. They have a bunch of defense, like a defense with a bunch of names that I recognize and believe in. And when you're Iowa State and you have names that I recognize and I believe in, that, I, you know, I, that's, I'm not used to that. And so that tells me they're pretty good defense. And I, I just, so I am, I'm, I'm, I'm working up the courage to be bullish on Iowa State again. I'm going back into the fire, uh, carrying my Iowa State axe. Uh, I think that uh, I think Iowa State's going to be an overplay.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's if it was the tornado that touched down about a mile north of my house the other day
5: or it's
1: just my belief in Matt Campbell. I've got cyclone fever, too. I just there are concerns with the offensive line. It's just when I look at this team, I look at the coaching staff and I look at what they do have. In a season like this, like I feel like without there being fans in the stands in all likelihood and home field kind of being distorted because of that, I think that this is a year in which we're going to see coaching and talent matter a lot more than we probably have in previous years because like home teams that are underdogs or something like that they're not going to have the crowd kind of keeping them you know amped up and supporting like if they get down early you're not going to be able to get that energy from your home crowd so I think that we're going to see this kind of kind of chalky as far as you know favorites and talent and coaching and I think that because I think Matt Campbell and and he's put together a very good coaching staff in Ames I think that is going to play to Iowa State's benefit. So I'm going over as well. But full disclosure, you'll notice I have the juice heavy on the over simply because I do think six, if there's an actual sports book putting out a total, I do think six is where they'd settle. But here at the Edgewater Sportsbook and Entertainment Emporium, we don't believe in pushes. All right. We we take a stand. So we only stick with halves, and that's why we put it at five and a half. And I'm pushing over. Unite us.
5: Unite the Gluns. <laughs>
0: So, uh, I, I only see three losses. Like I'm willing to consider that at TCU could get dicey. I threw that as a toss up and Kansas state, just because I, Kansas state, <laughs> we'll get to them in a little bit, but, uh, I threw Kansas state on the toss up pile too, but I've got Texas tech, Kansas Baylor and West Virginia's wins for Iowa state. The only teams I see them losing to are Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Texas. And if that Oklahoma State or Texas game was at home, I might lean that and throw that in the toss-up column. But Oklahoma at Oklahoma State at Texas are the only three losses I see. Of course, uh, I'm saying that they, in this case, over five and a half, that they do end up winning it uh, at TCU and Kansas State. But that comes down to the quarterback differential. And, I mean, didn't Matt Campbell tell us? He was like, man, D3, we only had four weeks to get ready. It's no big mm-hmm. deal here. Like he's, he is absolutely ready to, uh, to pull it together and to figure out, uh, how to get ready on limited time. How many games are going to win this fall? The Kansas Jayhawks over under set at 0. 0.5 <laughs> for less miles than the Jayhawks. I got seven guaranteed losses on my, uh, count them up. I've got, Two toss-ups, but yet I still went under. I, I think I think this is an over. Really? Yeah. What about y'all?
1: I mean, it's it's literally just a question of is Kansas gonna win a single game this year or not? You only need him to win one. Right. Uh I lean under. Like when I like you guys when I went through and did the game by game trying to figure it out. I didn't really find the win for Kansas because it's like, I don't think they're beating Baylor and Oklahoma State to start. I think West Virginia might be a winnable game. I think Kansas State, based on the rivalry nature of it, could be a winnable game. And I think even Texas Tech at the very end of the season can be a winnable game. It's just... All on the road. All three of them. Exactly. And also, what if you get to that end of the year and this is such an odd season to begin with, but you're 0-8. You may, Oh, actually, you're 1-8 because you're probably won your non-conference game, but you're 0-8 in conference play, and you get to that Texas Tech game and just the way the season has gone, how amped is Kansas really going to be at that point going on the road to play in an empty AT&T stadium in Lubbock to beat Texas Tech? So it's like I'm taking the over officially just because I feel like you could screw up and get a win somewhere. But it is not one that I am super confident in.
4: Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sprinting to the window to play this over. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. They're, now don't get me wrong. This isn't gonna. They're not about to start. This isn't the breakout season. But you're telling because I, I think of it the other way, Tom. So you're saying that like there's not one game in there somewhere where you know whoever the opponent is, Baylor, Texas. Uh TCU, Oklahoma State, whoever it is, they're just, you know what, like whatever they were playing for maybe got a little sidetracked along the way and they've been quarantined and hadn't gone to a party in six weeks. And you know what, maybe they don't really want to be there. And then maybe that day lines up pretty nicely with old Les Miles <laughs> putting together a heck of a pregame speech. And I, I just... I don't think this is the year that Kansas is good. I don't think this is like, I did not think that the last miles higher was a good hire. I thought that that was, um, I don't know, like a cliche version of a good hire. I think I was wrong. I think this is, I think this has got a chance to be a, a quality higher because of the way they they're recruiting because of the way they, they started to, to believe last year. Um, it was it Brent Brent Deerman is that their their offensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brent Deerman who who like took over midseason and and totally shifted the way that offense started to to operate or at least the effectiveness of that offense. Uh You still got Puka back. Quarterback's going to be a question. Like I don't think I don't think they're going to be good. I just think I was very encouraged by the way they competed last year. I mean, they had they beat Texas Tech. Like that's that that counts they almost beat Texas on the road they were they played Iowa State competitive late in the year like they I think that counts for something so I think there's gonna be a game somewhere where they catch somebody slipping
0: all right believing believing Barton Simmons
4: big Barton Jayhawk. Up!
0: Kansas State Wildcats over under set at three and a half. Uh, the Wildcats bring back Skylar Thompson. They've got a uh, great tight end play and defensively. We're still pretty good along the defensive line. So Barton, how are you feeling about three and a half as we go into year two with Chris Kleiman?
4: So I'm under um, and that sounds, so I got him three and six and that sounds like a bad year, but I didn't even, let's see, their their initial non-conference schedule would have been Buffalo loss, <laughs> North, <laughs> North, North Dakota, okay, they'd have won that one, Vanderbilt, they'd have won that one, so, you know, so if they're three and six in conference, if you lump on another two wins, let's even just give them a chance at beating Buffalo and call it three wins, then all of a sudden they're they're really encouraging year one of, of eight wins in, 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 in a year two that's expected to be a bounce or a cycle down year because of they lose the entire offensive line. They they lose a good chunk of their offense altogether. They they lose half their defense. Like there's a lot of holes that need to be filled here for Kansas State. And so let's again, let's assume they get two or three wins in the off, in the in the non-con in a regular year. Now you're looking at five and seven or six and six in a year or two, where they have to kind of reload a little bit. To me, like that creates a a window for three and six to be a pretty reasonable conference record. I think that Chris Kleiman is a good coach. They've got stability and and a trustworthy quarterback. Um, I, I, I think that they would I think that they would coach their way and tough their way into some wins. I don't know where they're coming from, <laughs> but this is a dangerous team. Like you, this, this is still not a team. Like you're going to enjoy playing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that can,
1: that can sneak them three wins. I think Skylar Thompson is the X factor here. Cause I think, you know, when I was doing my dark horse series and stuff during the off season, back when we were still thinking there might be a, a regular season, like a normal one, like, Skylar Thompson was somebody whose numbers and the underlying metrics on his numbers kind of jumped out in ways that I wasn't expecting them to that were kind of just slapping me in the face saying, hey, this dude's better than you realize. Or maybe you noticed and a lot of people probably haven't been paying attention. And he was almost, you know, I almost did a whole story just on him alone. And I think that he has the potential to really increase Kansas State's ceiling because, you know, he does play the most important position on the field. And if he improves... And they're able to take advantage of that. I do think we could see another season in which Kansas State goes five and four in conference play, kind of like they did last year. So I'm on the over here. I think that they can get to four wins. I think that they could beat Texas Tech at home. I think they could beat Kansas at home. And then it's going to be like, can they beat West Virginia on the road? I think I don't know if they could in a normal year, but without a crowd there, maybe they can this year. And so I think I'm just looking for one kind of coin flip somewhere else, whether that's the TCU game, maybe Oklahoma State, maybe Iowa State, maybe Baylor, maybe even Texas at home, you know, because it's like I was talking earlier with the Iowa State thing. I I really like Chris Cleveland as a coach. I really like. That he knows what he wants to do and he's able to stick to the identity that he's able to, you know, instill in his team. And I think that he did a really good job in his first year after taking over for a legend in putting things in place right away and kind of making it somewhat seamless in a way. And I think that because of that, I'm more optimistic about them surpassing expectations than maybe some other teams. So while I think, you know, four and five might be the best available option, I do like their chances of getting there. They are
0: just toss up city for me. I've got I gave him one win that I felt good about. And it was Kansas. But I only had one loss that I was like, "You know what? Yeah, Kansas State will lose that game." And it was Oklahoma. And the other 7 games, it all comes down to whether Kansas State can lure you in to come play in their game. Like if you if you all this it's like the the worst person to get into an argument with where like they make you get heated and all of a sudden you realize that you've just gotten suckered in to play in their game. And that's what Kansas mm-hmm. state is doing. And and if they can get just three more, you know, between Texas tech, TCU, West Virginia, Oklahoma state, Iowa state, Baylor, Texas. Like, yeah, if they can get three more then I think this over could hit. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm going to be taking the over. How many games are going to win this fall? The Oklahoma, <laughs> the Oklahoma Sooners, <laughs> over under win total set at eight and a half. We were playing nine conference games, over under set at eight and a half. Tom Fernelli, principal under.
1: Yes. Yeah. Of course. I mean, I think that there's a very real shot that Oklahoma can go nine and zero. Oh. Because it's Oklahoma and it has dominated the Big 12 for however many years at this point now. So I do think 9-0 and 0 is very much in play. And I do think that like if you set this anything lower than 8.5, then it's a clear and obvious over. So I had to set it at 8.5 instead of 8. And the, so, I mean... This is going to be an odd situation. And like I said, because of the talent, I think that Oklahoma this year is going to have a bigger advantage than it would typically have in other times. It's just playing this kind of schedule in this kind of situation, it's not irrational to think that they're going to trip up somewhere. Because, you know, they do have, they have to play everybody like they do every single year. But it's just, it's a weird emotional kind of situation for the players too. Because, you know, we don't know what the playoff situation is going to look like. And let's say that we're halfway through the year. And everything's going fine, but then all of a sudden, like, there's an announcement that, you know, okay, there's not going to be a playoff this year. And Oklahoma's kind of got like a two game lead in the conference going down the stretch. Maybe they take their feet, you know, whether intentionally or not subconsciously, maybe they take their feet off the gas and just slip up against somebody thinking, well, we've already got this thing wrapped up anyway, and there's no playoff to play for. So I I think the under is the smart play. I don't know if it's going to be the winning play, though.
4: Yeah, I, I'm on the under. Um, so let me see. So Oklahoma is, we got an eight and a half. So I, I actually have them going seven and two. Ooh! Wow. What's the second? Is one of them Texas? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I all don't right, know. All right. all I, right. I just, I think that, and that's sort of a hunchy, that's sort of a hunchy call there. But look, if if Oklahoma goes 9-0 this year, I mean, that's just, that's remarkable. I mean, what they've done is remarkable as is. I I just, it's less of a doubt about Oklahoma and more of a, okay, like, I I don't, I don't, like Oklahoma, because you mentioned, Tom, something you said earlier about, you know, talent is going to have an opportunity to take over because uh, this is going to be a chalky year. And I agree with all that. And and yes, Oklahoma is very talented, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I don't think Oklahoma is a talent mismatch to some of the other teams in the Big Twelve the way I don't know, like an Ohio State or an Alabama or a Clemson or a Georgia would be. Um, and so I just think that it this like going under is more is less of a doubts about Oklahoma and more of a acknowledging how difficult the circumstances are of this year, how they're on a pretty ridiculous run as is. And I just don't think they, they go undefeated in conference play forever. And, and so I think that you, you got a first year starter, a high school guy, Spencer Rattler, or your first sort of non, and granted he was a five star. He was number one quarterback in the country two years ago. I think he's a stud, but it's his first year starting and he's not experienced. He's not a veteran. Um, I think this is this is a year when some of the younger guys have to step up on offense, um, and, and they're capable too, all highly regarded. Uh, but I, I just think that there's enough kind of new faces t- to where someone, I, th- I think they'll be playing games a little closer than we're used to in the Big 12. Um, and I'm not fully sold on Alex Grinch yet. you know, he did some good things, uh, but he's still a coach that is, is sort of moving undersized guys around and just trying to muck things up for opponents more so than just, uh, you know, we're lining up. We're going to kick your ass. And I, 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 so I'm not going to have, unless your defense is going to line up and kick your ass, like I'm not going to be like fully confident in you just yet.
1: Um, Alex Grinch on the hot seat. Barton Simmons reports.
0: Uh, I am also going (laughs) under, but that is because Lincoln Riley loses one conference game every year, three years, three straight eight and one conference records. I mean, if Oklahoma gives up one game to a conference opponent every single season during a regular season, then yeah, with all the other factors thrown in, I'm going to say they probably will. So I've, I had my toss-ups as uh, the Texas game and then at TCU just because – so both Oklahoma and TCU have a bye week before that game. Man, just Gary Patterson in the lab figuring out ways that he's going to throw all kinds of stuff at Spencer Rattler to try to throw him off Mm -hmm. his game. So, yeah, TCU I think could get dicey. It was funny because I was thinking about it and I was like, Oklahoma State is without a doubt – Uh, another tier above TCU in the way that I view this conference, but ain't no chance I'm picking Oklahoma to lose to Oklahoma state when that game is in Norman, the way that that series has gone. Uh,
4: the other I mean, but, but but, it's not going to be like a rocking house in Norman, right? Yeah. But I mean,
1: sooner schooner will be rattling loudly.
0: I just, there's like, like I, I think that Lincoln Riley has fully embraced everything that needs to be done to have his squad ready for that game. You know, like we've seen Oklahoma be off its game for Texas. Like it feels like Tom Herman does everything to get Texas ready for that game. And it feels like Lincoln Riley is just not going to lose to Mike Gundy. Lincoln Riley has more red river wins than Mike Gundy does. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? Uh, all right. So we are all on the under eight and a half. Count them out. Onto those Oklahoma State Cowboys, the college football playoff Oklahoma State Cowboys, over under set at six and a half. And as I broke this thing down, I mean, it was real quick for me to start counting up the wins. I think that West Virginia's win at Kansas, win at Baylor, win Iowa State at home. I mean, like, there's you can start to see everything come together. I do think that that game at Oklahoma is going to be a loss. The toss-ups that I had here, oh Texas Tech, also win. And then the uh, toss-ups I had are they get Texas at home, which I think is, uh, you know, probably you know the one of the big games in terms of how we judge them, and certainly in terms of making the Big Twelve championship game. They go at Kansas State. They also go play at TCU. But as the number is said at six and a half, I'm going to take that over.
4: Y'all know I'm on the over. <laughs> yes we did i mean this yeah this is this is my now look i've the the whole oan fiasco has has uh created a just it just it's created an environment that is a little less tranquil for my for my taste in picking a dark horse uh like like breakout team would would prefer a quieter offseason than that but uh I still think an OAN national championship could be in the cards here for from uh, Mike Gundy. They are they're returning 10 starters on defense. Uh, and included in that, I think there's some really good players. Like the Trace Ford kid, who was a true freshman last year, was one of the best true freshman edge wrestlers in the country. Um, you know, guys like that take a step forward. They're good on the back end uh, in the secondary. We know about Chuba Hubbard. We know about Spencer Sanders, who was sort of a bit of an all or nothing guy last year a bit of a like boomer like like high risk high reward um type of player i think if you can cut down on some of that risk uh maximize some of that reward like he's got the potential to be a really like elite t- top tier quarterback um and then you still have Tylen Wallace and you know again most of that offense comes back and so i just think that this is the year like we we talked about it before there's a reason Mike Gundy wanted to play this season so bad there's a reason Mike Gundy was seduced by the OAN press clipping saying that uh, COVID was fake or whatever the hell they were saying that he, he was all excited about uh, because he wanted every excuse to get on the field. I think he knows how talented this team is relative to his other teams. Uh, so, assuming that this the the locker room is back unified, uh, I, I like their change. I got them seven and two as well, sort of tied for for first in the
1: in the Big 12. Under. Ooh. Three losses. There's Party. three losses on that schedule, buddy. They're losing to Iowa State. They're losing to Texas. And they're losing to Oklahoma. And they'll probably win every other game, but they're losing those three games, six and three. Just not buying it? No, it's not that I'm not buying it. I think they're a I think they're a good team. I just don't think they're there's not enough there to convince me that the team that I saw last year, and yes, it dealt with injuries and it had to go through that, but the team that went 5-4 and four in the Big 12 last year, scoring just as many points as it game up, there's just, I haven't seen enough from that team last year to think that there is that kind of leap of improvement going into 2020. I still think that they're a notch, they're, they're below Oklahoma like everybody else is in the conference. I think that they're probably slightly below Texas, and I think that they're kind of on the same level right now as the Iowa States and the Baylors. And I think that Iowa State, I like Iowa State right now going into twenty twenty more than I like Oklahoma State situation. So I think that's a game they lose. But even if they win that game, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Mike Gundy's teams will it's they will just kind of trip over somebody that they're not supposed to trip over. So I just think that six and three is a lot more likely than seven and two.
0: I give up eight laterals to Central Michigan. Just out of nowhere. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Count mm-hmm. them out. Uh, TCU over under set at four and a half. Tom, uh, disappointing year last year for TCU. Do you see a bounce back for the Frogs?
1: I have no idea. You know how you were looking at Kansas State? Yeah. That's how I'm looking at TCU. All I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, there's like, okay, they're losing to Oklahoma. All right. Okay. Every other game? I don't know. <laughs> I mean I feel like I feel like they're capable of beating and losing to everybody else on this schedule. So it's like eight toss-ups and one loss. So, because of that, I lean under, but I do not. I would love to hear what you two think because I do not have a clear read of anything about this team.
0: Max Duggan, baby, let's go. Over four and a half. I mean, I know that the entire offense last year was based around putting Jalen Rager in different positions on the field, throwing him a sideways pass and letting him just take a couple downfield blocks to see what happens. But I've got the Texas Tech at West Virginia, and at Kansas as my certain wins for TCU. And then, yeah, a whole bunch of toss-ups, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma, at Baylor, Oklahoma State. But even within that, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State, the three best teams out of those, all those games are at home. And again, no fans, but still I think that the you know, the idea of uh, Amon G. Carter Stadium having – uh, a little bit of a weirdness to it out there in Fort Worth. I think that if three are given, I think they can go and get two more uh, out of that slate, probably one of them being Baylor, so even though that's on the road. So between Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, I think they get two of those five, and I think they are five and four. So I'm going to go over four and a half.
4: So if last year's Utah team was the most Utah team to ever Utah, <laughs> this year's TCU team... It's pretty damn TCU. (laughs) This is a pretty damn TCU TCU team. I I have I'm over. I'm six and three. I think that I I, it's a it's a little bit of a
1: you're one horny frog.
4: Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a uh, gamble. Um, a little bit of a, a little hunchy. But my my thought process is this: it's mainly on the defense. And this is such a Gary Patterson defense. It's, you know, you've got Garrett Wallow, who is your classic hybrid linebacker. He was a safety out of John Curtis High School in Louisiana. You know, Gary Patterson pulled him and, and turned him into a stud. Uh, their 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 true safeties are Darius Washington and Trayvon Morig were are two of the best in the country. Uh, I think that defense is going to be really salty, and I think Max Duggan in year two has a chance to be really good. Now, he's going to need – he doesn't have a lot of the really good weapons, both at running back and receiver, that he had last year, but they've recruited pretty well at those spots. And so I I, I just think that this is – you know, Gary Patterson's had a lot of time this uh, this offseason to scheme some stuff up. He's had a lot of time to get in that lab. You're talking about Chip, and so uh, I, I just – I think they're going to be over them.
0: How many games are you going to win this fall?
4: Year two for
0: Matt Wells at Texas Tech. Uh, under three, or excuse me, <laughs> just gave away my damn pick. Uh, three and a <laughs> half is the, the number
4: set by
0: uh, the Edgewater Sportsbook Emporium. Uh, Tom, where, uh, where are you seeing things for the Red Raiders here on this Big 12 schedule?
1: I'm going under. I don't feel great about it, but I just... It's it's I don't have a ton of confidence in this. I like Matt Wells. I like what he was able to accomplish at Utah State. It's just it's kind of the same situation where I felt with Texas Tech last year, where you're making a very drastic change, not just in your coaching staff, but kind of you know your your entire approach to playing football, and because of that, you kind of have to change the culture and to continue that normally we see those steps moving forward in year two take place. They're still incremental. There's usually not, you know, you're, you're not really likely to see that quote unquote leap until year three, but in a truncated off season like this, I think that just slows down any possible progress. You could have been realistically hoping to make between year one and year two. So because of all that, I just, Don't have a whole lot of confidence in Texas Tech making a major step forward this year. So when I look at it, I mean four and five certainly within play, but I just think three and six is probably more likely because I mean some of these teams are going to have to be losing games when you're when you're all playing each other. Somebody's going to end up on the losing side.
4: I I like I like Texas Tech. I got them over Alan Bowman CPU Zone. You're you're buying stock. Keep them healthy. Then keep them healthy. Then they've got a chance. I mean. I think this is another one of these teams where, when you actually when you actually look at what happened last year, they they were very close in a lot of games. Like they were a competitive football team in year one, and uh, I think that I think Matt Wells is a good coach. I think his defensive coordinator is a really good defensive coordinator, uh, Keith Patterson, and so I think that they'll be improved. I think they'll continue to be getting better, and I think when you look at their weapons, um, again, I, I think Alan Bowman is pretty damn good and assuming he can stay healthy they've got a really good wide receiver group um tj vasher Stone. Eric, uh izu kanma um like they've got they got a deep group and they've recruited well um they've they have one of the best like they have one of the best wide receivers coming in in the country a kid named uh Loic Fonji. and i i just think that they can they can run with these big te- big 12 teams like they're they're built for these kind of games and um, I think that they're underestimated because of their record last year and in, in year one and and they could uh, you could see some of those games swing to their side this year Tom under
0: under under for uh, me as well and I'm for me it was more about like where are the wins? uh, coming from, I just didn't see a whole bunch of them and this could change, but I, I don't, I don't see it. I got a, a more of a three and six feel here. I think Texas at Iowa state, Oklahoma at TCU and at o- Oklahoma state are all losses having Oklahoma and Texas, two of the best teams on your schedule coming to being home games. I think it's tough at Iowa. So five guaranteed losses there. I think they pick up a sixth along the way that takes me under, Count them out. So that brings us to the Longhorns of Texas. Uh, you're breaking in new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, but it is year four for iconic Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger. <laughs> Six and a half is the number that was set here. Barton, are they gonna be able
4: to hit this over? Start with me on this one, huh? This is this was the toughest one for me. This was the toughest pick. I, I I'm on the under, um, but I don't. I'm not confident in it. I think the, the tiebreaker for me is I just think about the old like Tom Herman uh, betting principles, right? Like big game Tom. Like when he's when he's an underdog, when he's in a big game setting, this guy's gonna be ready. But you know what? As a favorite. You know, off of a big win, you know, 11 a.m. kick, you hey, may not want to be betting on him. That first one at Texas
0: Tech could get dicey. First game of this season, <laughs> you know, you're playing in Lubbock against an Allen Bowman who hasn't taken a hit yet. With new coordinators, you know, I, a lot of chatter on that headset, you know, there's going to be a lot of people talking over each other in that week one game. Um, I, you, I know it's AT&T stadium, but they'll find ways to jam the lines of communication route there. Uh, and I, I see what you're saying.
4: Yeah. I mean, like think about last year, like LSU, they played really well. Um, probably one of the toughest games LSU played, uh, Oklahoma, you know, played well, played well, uh, ranked 15th in the country, two losses to two of to the best teams in the country, and they lose to TCU, uh, just like a gross game. Um, and that's an unranked TCU. You know, they lose to a ranked Iowa State. Um, no, they lose to an, an unranked Iowa State, and then they lose to Baylor, who's like, yeah, like Baylor was a good team, obviously, but like that's not a team that should beat Texas ever. Um, and so I still acknowledge how talented they are. They do have an iconic Texas quarterback. They have... They're going to be healthy in the backfield this year. They're deeper. They have talent. Bijan Robinson's a true freshman. That's a stud. They've got uh, they lose elite wide receivers, but they got plenty of talent for coming back. I don't like they. – Chris Ash has taken over the defense. S- new system, um, I, and maybe that'll be the difference. But that defense has just not been much for op, much for for confidence lately. And as talented as their secondary is, like. I don't know. Let's see it. So I just I'm a little bit an approve it to Texas mentality. Uh, and particularly given the setting of this season, I just I, I can't I can't get there. I don't have
1: the confidence in them. I do.
4: Yeah. I'm
1: confident that Texas is going over. The iconic Texas quarterback, Sam Ellinger. The talent that you just mentioned, Barton. A lot of talent on this roster. And as I've said, I think talent is going to be even more important this year than in a regular season. And I think that defense did struggle last year, but I think that defense also dealt with a lot of injuries. And I think that just injury luck has to balance it out at some point this year. They have to be a little luckier. So they're going to have that talent on the field more often than they did last year. And this is the second best team in the Big 12. I don't think, I, I think it's Oklahoma, Texas, and then some shrugs. And I, I think that Texas is just definitively better than the third tier or whatever you want to call it of the conference. And I think they're going to win at least seven games because of it. Maybe they end up beating Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, and they end up eight and one, and both teams are eight and one heading into the Big Twelve Championship. But I think that these are the two best teams in the Big Twelve, and I think that's going to show. Up, that's going to show over the course of this schedule.
0: Oklahoma and Texas are the only teams when I ran this operation with zero certain losses zero certain mm-hmm. losses on that schedule. I've got six guaranteed wins with three toss-ups on that Texas schedule. And when this is set at six and a half, and I'm just going to need you to win one of my three toss-ups, which are the Oklahoma game at Oklahoma state and at Kansas state. Cause at Kansas state is that Tom Herman game, right? Like if, if they sure. beat, uh, if they beat Oklahoma, that makes at Kansas state exactly sort of like the, the panic type spot. But I think they do end up winning that opener at Texas tech they beat TCU, and they beat Baylor. Revenge game, revenge game. They've got West Virginia at home. They win that at Kansas. Iowa State, another game that's at home. So it's six certain wins, and I just need one toss-up to get me to seven and two. Give me the over on Texas. Let's go. How many games are going to win this fall? West Virginia in year two with Neil Brown. Over, under, set at three and a half. Tom what do we think? <sighs> Country Under. Roads isn't actually about West Virginia. It's about the western part of Virginia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Under. I just I I don't it's it's not that diff, different from the situation I was talking about with Texas Tech where I mean West Virginia did go 3 and 6 in in the Big 12 last year. And I just don't know if, like, with everything in place they're making that step forward in year two, it's a lot more difficult now because of the way things broke this offseason. And I I think that teams like that that are having to, you know, pick up steam rather than just kind of maintain are going to have a more difficult time than the teams that are already there. So because of that, when I look at the schedule, it's like there are Kansas, I think, at home is a certain win. I think other than that, what's the certain win? Because you've got Oklahoma State on the road. You've got Baylor at home, but I'm not confident West Virginia is beating Baylor. I'm not confident they're beating Texas Tech on the road. I'm not confident they're beating Kansas State at home or TCU at home. I don't think there's anywhere they're beating Texas or Oklahoma. And then those TCU-Iowa State games are also kind of coin flips. So I just don't see a solid enough foundation of games where I feel like they're definitely going to win this game for me to take the over on them.
4: I'm on the... This is the one I'm going to, I'm just, I will be wrong on this, but I'm on the under. Like, I don't, I don't see necessarily how the over hits. It probably will. And because I can't see it, I'm going to take the under, but Neil Brown just tends to find a way, mm-hmm. you know, he found a way last year and he'll find a way this year, even though Jarrett Deggie's his quarterback and it's just a, a very kind of uninspiring offensive personnel group. And there's some players on defense. Don't get me wrong. Like the St- dairy stills, Dante stills.
1: Um, but you know, they've got, we talk players. about how perfect it is to have players named stills at on West defense? Virginia. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's that is a true. great point. <laughs> yeah. I had not thought about that, but now I won't ever stop thinking about it. Um, but I think, uh, and plus they got a new defensive coordinator now. They had to like let go of their defensive coordinator a couple of weeks ago because he was basically an old crotchety man and kind of got on people got under people's skin. And I, I don't know, like there's enough uncertainty there where if I got to find losses, I, I tend to stack them on the West Virginia pile. But I don't, I don't feel good about it at all.
0: So I've got uh, Oklahoma State as a loss. I've got Texas as a loss. I've got TCU as a loss. I've got Oklahoma as a loss. I've got Iowa State as a loss. I've got five certain losses right there. And uh, so that means, like, is there going to be one more loss between Baylor at Texas Tech and Kansas State? Probably. So, yeah, yeah, I'm just – I'm going under. And it – And I I feel, I'm glad that you were able to recognize uh, some of the names on the depth chart because to me, I looked at West Virginia, especially offensively. And I was like, well, that's like 2019 in my dynasty on NCAA 14 where the use, like all the players have been like generated and I'm I'm, like recruiting players who've got crazy names and I've got, you know, uh, like all all kinds of big beefy punters that I've been able to recruit to the squad because it's I, I do not have a good grasp of the West Virginia personnel right now. And unfortunately when it comes to looking for the separation, when I'm feeling really good about Oklahoma state, Texas, TCU, Oklahoma and Iowa state, you're just going to end up on the wrong end of it. So we'll see. I mean, if Neil Brown is able to get a winning record, like forget four and five and going over this four and a half, if he's able to get five and four out of this squad, it's pretty impressive. That might be big 12 yeah. coach of the year stuff.
1: I mean, I th- I think that I, if it happens, I won't be shocked. I just I just don't think it happens.
0: Uh, nice. So we
4: got it. That's
1: we did it, guys. We did win totals.
4: <laughs> Check Twitter. Make sure that uh, the Big Twelve has canceled the season.
1: <laughs> and- <laughs> you, you know, we got while we were recording. I got a an email. From the college football playoff, and it was like you know statement, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but thankfully, it was just a pablum. There was nothing of importance <laughs> said, but I was just like, "Oh God, no!" <laughs>
0: yeah. So we've got uh, Virginia Tech is tweeting out photos from their padded practice. Uh, I'm I'm going to believe that things are still on path. I think we might have some at least week one games to pick. We'll see. We're at least on that path. Some some locks some of them
4: i hope this felt this felt good this felt therapeutic well well we might need the edgewater emporium to set some more numbers yeah. <laughs> so that we can, I can run get to work on oh. it no other sports book has got the stones of the edgewater emporium <laughs> to put the numbers out <laughs> How would you grow a pair out there, everyone else?
0: Yeah, come on. Step up. He is Tom Fornell. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fornell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
4: Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: Red Bull Leipzig in the 89th minute. The
1: American.
0: Tyler Adams coming off the bench with the game winner.
1: I got Leipzig plus 250.
0: Ah. It's a strong pick.
1: Football Mm -hmm. talk?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Champions League.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better